Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat them up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling, whatever show, movie, song, or tech we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be talking about some new movie news and HBO's new sci-fi adventure series, Westworld. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what's your favorite fictional depiction of artificial intelligence? Lucas, start us off. That is a mouthful. Hi, I'm <laughs> Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area. I'm going to go with Marvin, the paranoid android from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He is a super sad robot, but he's got the realism and personality of a sentient being without all the destroying humanity nonsense that comes along with that. I always so. appreciate that. I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and mine is the character Weebo from the movie Flubber, the Robin Williams movie Flubber, his, mm. his little assistant, yeah, that falls in love with him. I forgot about that one. I had a hard time choosing between that character and the other 1990s Robin Williams movie, Bicentennial Man. Oh, yeah. Um, in which Robin Williams is the artificial intelligence. Um, this week, our co-host Lawson is out, but filling in for him, we have our friend from the Badge Podcast, Josh Tumblin. Josh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hello, my name is Josh Tumblin. I host uh, or co-host the Badge Podcast. I am an actor from the Seattle, Washington area, and I think I'm going to have to go with the cop-out answer, and my favorite artificial intelligence is HAL 9000, <laughs> complete with all of the kill humanity nonsense. Yes, yes. <laughs> all right, well, let's get started. Lucas, what are you feeling this week? All right. Uh, if you like Christopher Guest movies, such as Spinal Tap and Best in Show, I think you'll like Mascots, which I, which I watched this, this weekend. It's a, a Netflix original movie released last Thursday, October 13th. It is a mockumentary, such as most of Christopher Guest stuff, um, and it takes a look of the competitive world of mascottery, if that is a word. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> it, if, you, yeah, if you like Best in Show, Spinal Tap, um, for your consideration, if you, I'm gonna fingers crossed on that one. That one's probably his worst one, but this kind of harkens back to a lot of his earlier work. I feel like he loves finding the hilarity and watching people take things more seriously than they should. Uh, it's great when the Brits do it in his movies, and it's I think it's even funnier when it's Americans like this one. But um, and you've got a lot of new talent in this movie actually with uh, Zach Woods, uh, Sarah Baker, and. Chris O'Dowd and who I talked about last week, actually, Tom Bennett from uh, Love and Friendship. Um, he worked with both of those guys on a TV series a couple years ago, and he brought them on for this movie. And it is uh, quite, quite amazing what he does with these characters. But you guys should definitely watch this if you haven't already. I know it just came out last week, but it is hilarious. I'm definitely excited too. My childhood dream was to be a mascot. And so like a small <laughs> part of me has held on to that dream. Um, yeah. So even if this is like mocking 
the the passion i'm still excited to give it a try i it mocks the passion but also there's a lot of heart in it and it is it's a fantastic look at what it's like to be behind the mask like that. It's great. Yeah, I, I wish I had had time to watch this already. I am a huge Chris Guest fan. Oh, I good. love everything he's ever done. Waiting for Guffman is like my favorite yes, movie ever. Yes, uh, it's, it's So I, I'm, I'm curious about how Chris O'Dowd fits in with this because his humor seems very not typical. Oh, I, absolutely. It's not, not Christopher Guest humor, but he uses it as... A com- he's he's a completely different character than the rest of what's going on. He's a uh, in the in the movie he's known as the bad boy of mascottery. He plays a <laughs> a fist um, that it, that flips up the middle finger and is a, a hockey mascot. It's, I love it's, that. He's 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 the the character that's the most out there in this competition, and it it works really well with the rest of um, you'd almost say Christopher Guest straight men in this in yeah. this show, but it's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I also love Zach Woods. So anytime oh, yeah. he's in a project, I'm yep. almost guaranteed to watch. He plays a he plays an octopus, which is fantastic. That's with his, perfect. Uh, yeah, How tall yeah. he is. He, I know. It's yeah, yeah. Every all the actual mascots that they choose for these actors um, align perfectly with their their sense of humor and their personality, and it's just a fantastic mix of of people that <laughs> that he uses for this. Well, I'm definitely excited to check that out. Thank you very much, Lucas. Yeah. yeah. Josh, what are you feeling this week? I am feeling Bonnie Vare's new album, 22 A Million. Uh, of course, I, of course. I, I can't stop listening to it. Man, <laughs> I, it's, oh, it's so good. The, the, the whole thing is, uh, it's very much a departure for him. I don't know if you guys have heard, heard the album. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, in depth. Many yeah. times over. <laughs> Good. That's the correct choice. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's very different than uh, than his most recent before this, which was I think Bon Iver. Um, but it, it's so good. It, it incorporates a lot of uh, more electronic music and like recursive themes. Um, and uh, I I have taken to listening to one track in particular. Uh, Creeks, seven fifteen. Yes, Creeks, yes. Which I is was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> like the best song I've ever heard in my life. First of all, it's true. But also, if you put it on repeat, it, it's the way it's constructed. It flawlessly flows back into itself mm-hmm. to the point where if you listen to it by itself on repeat, you lose where it ends and begins. And oh man, I oh, I can't. It's so good. I haven't s- sat with this album yet. I've I've definitely listened to it. We went some friends of mine went to a cabin one weekend and it was very much a great album to have on like while we were doing things or just like being with each other. But I, I really need to take a night and just like listen to it by myself in a dark room. That's on my to-do list. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, this is a fantastic album and like, like Creek's, like you said, is something that I absolutely put on repeat. It's even though I love the album, most of the time I, when I want to start it, I kind of want to start with Creeks and then kind of go back and listen to it again. But yeah. I feel like it's the 2016 version of Imogen Heap's Hide and Seek. Like, oh, just the absolutely. Way, the way it's mostly vocals done through a vocoder and just the, the passion that's involved in this song uh, is phenomenal. And it's something you'd want to just continue to listen to over and over again. Yeah, it's it's so crazy to me that like 
he was such a, a big part of, like, I think all of our college musical experience. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that was when my musical taste started shifting. And so to see him kind of reinvent himself in the way he like produces music for us is really exciting to like have in this new chapter of our lives in like this late 20 something period. I'm excited to like see what, what is Bon Iver's album look like when we're in our thirties and so on and so forth. Definitely. Mm. Not to brag, but uh, 24 hours from now I will be watching Bon Iver oh, perform right. all of this live. <laughs> Isn't he performing with someone else really amazing, Lucas? Who are... Yeah, Francis and the Lights. That's right. Oh, yep. my. Oh, yep. That's kind of infuriating to me, actually. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. Uh, I'm definitely lording it over everyone I can that this is happening. So. <laughs> Y'all are like, yeah, close to each other-ish, right? As far as the country goes. Josh, you just need to like make a trip. I mean, like, and compared to you. You need to drive but... like 10 hours south. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still far away. <laughs> the West yeah. Coast is much longer. <laughs> Very much so. But if you want to drive ten hours to Oakland, uh, he'll be there. <laughs> Great. Well, maybe worth. You'll it. have to start now. <laughs> oh, well, I'm always glad to hear more about him. So thank you for that, Josh. Absolutely. Um, this week I am feeling an app that I have been using for years, but it just got a brand new redesign. So I've kind of fallen in love with it all over again. It's an app called Paziz. Have y'all ever used this app before or heard about it? I have not used it, but when you were talking about it earlier this week and I downloaded it. Okay. Um, I think I've heard, I've used uh, similar apps, but not this one specifically. Yeah. 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 Paziz is an app that helps people fall asleep. It, um, it plays like a mix of music and sound effects and voiceover that is they call it sleep optimized. They say that they use um, psychoacoustic principles to create these soundtracks. That's a new soundtrack every time you use it. That is supposed to specifically help you clear your mind so that you can fall asleep faster. There's a nap function and then also a sleep function. I've been using this app a much more like basic format of it ever since I was in college because that was the time when it was the most valuable to me uh, where you I wasn't getting a regular night's sleep every night or where mm-hmm. you'd have to pull all-nighters and naps were really important to like recharge your batteries. This app does a really great job of if I need to get a 20-minute nap in during the day, like I just know I only have this 20 minutes to nap and I need to make the best use of it and actually rest. This app will either put me straight to sleep or if it doesn't get me to sleep, it at least relaxes my mind enough that I feel rested when the nap is over. Um, It also, if I'm using it at night when I'm going to sleep, it does a good job of getting me to sleep quickly. So if there's a night where it's like, oh, I definitely need to get like six hours of sleep in. And if I don't fall asleep right now, I won't get those six hours. Um, I will turn this app on to like really just get me there. Um, it has, like I said, um, there's a voiceover function that you can turn on or off in the new, um, redesign. They have both a male and female voice. Uh, so I thought I'd play for y'all, um, just a little short snippet of what kind of these sounds and voices sound like, and um, y'all can get a taste of some of the things that this voice kind of recommends you to do when you rest. Now, the working day is done, and you're beginning to make the transition 
into easy sleeping. For a few moments, I'll be speaking quietly with you, and there'll be some quiet music, and you might enjoy listening for a while to what I'm saying before drifting off into sleep. Or you might just prefer to let my voice wash over you, letting the sounds carry you into deeply refreshing sleep. At any time you want to, or are ready to, my voice will just fade from your mind as you fall asleep. So that is just a little bit of a taste of what it's like to kind of fall asleep to a soothing voice telling you what to do and how to relax. Um, it's There's some white noise effects mixed in with music. You never really know what kind of music you're going to get. But that variety, I think, is very helpful into helping me get a good night's sleep. And like I said, they've redesigned it recently, so it's a very beautiful-looking app now. Um, and I just wanted to like let people know about this because I think it is really, really helpful. NBA player Roy Hibbert said that it helped cure his insomnia and diminish his like dependence on Ambien. And J.K. Rowling once said that, like, it was, like, the best sleep app she's ever used. So I just wanted to get that recommendation out there. J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Oh. The rich and the well, famous. I- <laughs> well, as, as someone who likes to disagree with absolutely everything you always say oh, of course. Um, on this podcast, that listening to that after watching three episodes of Westworld made it sound like Jeffrey Wright <laughs> was talking in my ear and that I might possibly be an android, right. which terrifies me. So well, I'm not sure if that's something that I can go to sleep to or not. <laughs> you're definitely welcome to turn the voice off and just listen to the, the voice music. does go off. OK, yeah. uh, how, how much is the app? Yes. Right now, um, the app used to cost money. I think when I bought it in college, it cost like maybe four or five dollars. Um, right now, I believe the app is free, and there is a there are pro features for like a monthly subscription. And I will definitely say you don't need any of the pro features. The app works really well without any of the pro features. I have signed up for the pro features just because I'm incredibly curious and I want to try out all the new things that they've implemented. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at, if you download the app and the pro features sound interesting to you, I think their base price is $4 a month. But if you go to the Piz's Facebook account, they have a link for um, 50% off. So I took advantage of that and I'm now $2 a month to try it out. Um, they've talked about a bunch of new features they're developing for the app in the future, um, some sleep tracking features, some modes for listening to music for while you work for like focusing versus, um, sleeping. And so I'm excited to see like what they continue to develop. And that's kind of one of my reasons for trying this pro account out. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. For an app that, uh, whose name sounds like pizza most of the time when right. I look at it. Um, it's definitely something I'll have to try out. There so. are a lot of headlines that said, like, Pizzizz helps you sleep. And then in the comments of those articles, there are so many people like, I thought this said pizza helps you sleep. And I was really excited for a second. For It's true. It's true. It's true. When you first wrote in the show notes that you're going to talk about Pizzizz, I thought you were going to talk about pizza, and I got a little bit excited. Yeah. But no, sorry to it's disappoint. Fine. Oh, it's yeah, fine. that would have been a good... I am feeling pizza almost, <laughs> almost constantly, so... That's, yeah, that, that's just a constant thing, is pizza is always something I'm feeling, so... <laughs>
hold of this moment. The force is strong. Make ten men feel like a hundred. We'll take the next chance. And the next. You're all rebels, aren't you? Save the rebellion! Save the dream! Yeah. Yes. Rogue One. <laughs> we have two pieces of movie news that we want to chat about this week. The first is the new Rogue One trailer that was just released. How are y'all feeling about this? Oh my goodness. I I gotta say, Mar not Marvel, sorry. I Marvel, Disney, all <laughs> of this, uh, you know, Lucas Films, all of that as one kind of entity has been doing a fantastic job of just marketing in general. But I gotta say what they've done with the episode seven marketing and kind of rolling into Rogue One's marketing is brilliant. The The way they've released these trailers for this movie, the way they've released the character names and character info and just they've done it in a way that keeps you intrigued about this movie constantly. There's no fall off uh, for people's interest. And here we are two months away from this movie and everyone is set. This is happening. And nobody's really mad about it. No, yeah. This is incredible. Lucas, you had one of my favorite, I think it was you, tweets about this trailer, about how, like, every image could be, a, like, a, a wallpaper on a computer. Like, they're so... Per oh, is yeah. Is that you, Lucas? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Every screenshot of this, this, this trailer, of all, really all the trailers that have come so far... Everyone could be a wallpaper. It's beautiful. I love I love Gareth Edwards. It is Gareth Edwards, right? Yeah. Directing this movie. Yeah. I love Gareth Edwards stuff and what he's done with Godzilla um, and his monsters movies. And that, I mean, it's he's a brilliant, brilliant director. And I think this is something that um, that Star Wars has lacked in the past is just beautiful scenery, beautiful settings, beautiful direction. Um, and I think that's something we're going to get in Rogue One, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, I, I'm really mostly impressed by the cinematography of the thing. I, I kind of yeah. can't get past it. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's gorgeous. I like this trailer a lot more than the first one. Oh, yeah. The first one kind of worried me. <laughs> it was a trailer set around reshoots. <laughs> How yeah. many trailers have we had now? Is this the second or the third? So this is the second official trailer. There was a teaser before that okay there's a teaser for the trailer right <laughs> yeah like like you do right yeah yeah that's what we do nowadays but yeah the fact that we've only had two trailers i think is also extremely impressive with how much everyone's been talking about this i feel like this has been going on for over a year now but we've only had two trailers right. and really this is the first time we've actually gotten any story information from the trailer it's insane josh what were you saying about there was something about the first trailer that worried you. What was what was that that what worried you? Um, the, the first trailer, uh, honestly, I don't. It wasn't even that I was worried about the movie per se. It's the first trailer felt very disjointed to me. Um, the way it was cut together was, it was a whole lot of fan service and not a lot of advertising a movie, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but this this one feels like an old like '70s style trailer kind of mixed with that um, almost like that they did for Godzilla. Godzilla, which oh, yeah. had yep. one of the best trailers I've seen in years. Um, yeah, it, it feels very much like that, the the modern action mixed with the old almost grindhouse style 
of cutting between different characters and giving each person their highlight, that kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like something that Disney's done with the the Marvel movies is kind of give them a consistent feel, a consistent look. Um, Everything kind of feels the same. But here, with what they've done with the Lucasfilms, I guess the Lucasfilm films are... Um, really showcase that director's talent. What they did with J.J. Abrams and what they're doing with Gareth Edwards is they're saying, hey, this movie, this is why, there's a reason why we picked this guy for this film, and they're going to let him show his stuff in it, which I think is awesome. I definitely hope that that's the case with our next Star Wars film, which I'm blanking (laughs) on the director's name now. What is it? What is his name? Who did Looper? Um, Ryan... Uh, Ryan Johnson. Ryan yes. Johnson. Yeah, I'm definitely yes. hoping that's the case with this his film because I'm such a fan of Ryan Johnson and his style, and to get mm-hmm. let him have his have full control over this is what my dream is for that movie. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. My the shot in this trailer that um, really just blew me away every time I saw it was um, it looked like they were flying overhead sort of a a sand or a desert scene Mm -hmm. and the rocks or the sand drifts formed made the shape of like a person holding a sword. Do y'all remember this? Well, if we're going to get technical, it's a Jedi holding a lightsaber, but it's whatever. Uh, (laughs) Is is a lightsaber not a type of sword? I mean, you know, I'm not going to get technical on that. I don't know. I feel like we can have a a hour long conversation about this. So like, I'm not... I think it was a dog or anything. Like, <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. We'll see. I was being intentionally vague because maybe it's not that, and you don't know hey, yet. It's true. It's true, and it's something that could be edited in post. We don't know. Right? It might not show up in the final film. Who Either knows? way, I thought it was. I think it's beautiful every time I come across it in the trailer. Um, amongst, I, I, like you said, Lucas. So, like, it's stunning cinematography and. Mm-hmm. So many different environments that that really excites me. That's one of, I think, the, the most exciting thing for me about the Star Wars universe is how many different environments you can shoot in in one film mm-hmm. and how many like t- different landscapes your characters can explore. Uh, yes. There's, it's very limitless, and I mm-hmm. love that. I, I, I think my favorite thing is just that I love that they've established trust that we're going to be okay with, you know, 10 Star Wars films coming mm-hmm. up that that they've kind of they've slated a bunch and yet we're okay with this that it's not it doesn't feel like I mean it, it is like a huge money grab to just continuously be making Star Wars movies but we also feel like there's art behind it that there's reasons behind it that there's stories that need to be told and that this is something that we want <laughs> right yeah which yeah. brings us to our next segment <laughs> right absolutely so another thing that happened this week was it was just announced by JK Rowling that um the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them franchise is going to have 5 movies uh we knew that there were going to be multiple i think most people probably assumed 3 but it's been announced that there are 5 um when i heard about this i i'm both dreading it and excited at the same time i'm Dreading it because I think the cynical nature in me thinks like, oh, you can't produce that many good movies in a row. Uh, And then also, but then I'm also a little bit excited because maybe she has found something that is going to be leading to a great big story that is not just this one spinoff. So Mm -hmm. how are y'all feeling? I feel like it's rough because this is a... 
we're we're basing we're we're basically saying we're gonna get five movies of a franchise we don't even know if we like yet. Absolutely. Um, and because we don't have any trust in this at all, um, it makes me nervous. It really does. I I'm, I haven't been a huge fan of the trailers for Fantastic Beasts. Um, and I'm not entirely sure that this is a, a story I want to follow, especially for five films. And the fact that this is a prequel means I there's going to be tons and tons of lead up to um, what we've seen in the Harry Potter films. And I really don't want overlap there. I want that to be its own thing. And I want we can explore the rest of the wizarding world, but I kind of want the Harry Potter films to be contained. Mm. So I'm having a hard time because uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I haven't cared about this, like, at all. <laughs> they announced this movie, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's, I mean, I'll see yeah. it. I'm not going to not see it. But right. But really, the only, the only thing making me even want to watch the first one is the cast for it. Right. Which right. is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Lucas. Like, I don't know if I even like the first one. Why are you making five? All right. Like, we're, we're basing... I don't know. Although, on the other hand, maybe that that means that it's not a cash grab to make five of them if they already know they have the story for it. And that's that's what actually interests me most is that this is this announcement is coming so early. This isn't coming, you know, after opening weekend that they can see how much they've made from this movie. This is coming out like a month before. Right. Um, and I'm I'm hoping they start co- coming out with who's going to be making these movies and kind of what give us a little something to go off of um, to show that you have an idea, you have stories that, that we can build off of here. Um, And I know a lot of that might be spoilery for what ends up being in this first fantastic beast movie, but there's gotta be a little bit of trust here. (laughs) You know, I I think, sorry, go ahead. That's okay. I, I didn't really love those first trailers that we got. I think we got maybe one or two at the beginning that, that didn't do much to excite me. Um, recently, there was a new trailer that came out that got me a lot more excited for this movie. It was a much darker trailer. Um, we got to see the glimpse of Ezra Miller for the first time, and I think that was kind mm-hmm. of exciting um, because he looks to be sort of a darker character as well. And so now that I've seen a trailer that has given me some positive feelings about this first movie... I'm a little bit more receptive to the idea of more movies. I can't decide if I want it to connect to the original franchise or not. I definitely would love it if we got to explore, um, like, the Dumbledore, like, romantic relationship that was kind of teased in the books. Um, And if somehow these movies can connect to that storyline, that would definitely excite me. But other than that, I don't know... I guess, I, like you said, we need. To, I need to see if I like these characters or not, if I want to follow them for five movies. I think the biggest negative it has in my book is that it's directed by David Yates. Yeah. Who directed, <laughs> in my opinion, the four worst Harry Potter movies. Which ones did he direct? Order of the Phoenix on. Yeah, all the last four. Okay, see, Deathly Hallows Part 1 is my favorite Harry Potter film. Really? Really? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. I, I fighting think, words. <laughs> I, I think that movie is really beautiful. Um, oh. And, you know, I think Azkaban is like my second favorite. And so 
All right. Uh, We're okay then. Yeah, Azkaban's <laughs> my first. <laughs> but but I, I, th- I think he creates cookie cutter movies, and I think that's kind of what we're going to see with this one as well. Hmm. I'm just with this, the first Fantastic Beast movie included, he has seven movies under his belt. Yeah. As a director, and five of them are Harry Potter franchise. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that doesn't bother me. I'm just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> he knows what he's good at. Is he, though? Is he good at I, it, though? I don't feel like he was good at it, though. Did you like Order of the no. Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows 2? They all kind of run together for me. But, exactly. But that's not Point good. Point made. <laughs> by, by all, I think I mean the whole franchise. Okay, um, You know what fair. doesn't run together? What? Say Prisoner of Azkaban. No. Prisoner that, of Azkaban does not run That's the only one that doesn't run together. True um, that. Yes. And so, but, yeah, I, I, I definitely get what y'all are saying. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that I... <laughs> You're just also not saying we're right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we will find out whether he's going to continue to direct this franchise or if they're going yeah. to bring in different storytellers for I'm, it. I know that he's currently on for the first two. Okay. Yeah. I don't know about after that. Yeah. Right. We shall see. Here's the other thing. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if I want five movies with Eddie Redmayne. Like, I don't. I, I don't. I love Eddie Redmayne. I, I want, want him to do other the things. Same movie with Eddie Redmayne. I don't have anything I want him against to... Eddie Redmayne, but I don't know if I love him enough to watch a whole franchise worth of movies with him. I think the fact that he's the only British character in this thing is might keep him around. People love to see British wizards. American wizards are like if you made the Great British Bake Off an American show. It just doesn't work. Mm. It's people. People don't want sleazy Brooklyn. <laughs> people with wands okay. that's not what that's I, not what we want to see in a movie i definitely want <laughs> sleazy brooklyn wizards let's be real about that the, i'm i am excited about colin farrell as like a sleazy brooklyn wiz, wizard i'm gonna hope it turns out he's british at the end he's been doing a <laughs> fake brooklyn accent this entire time have, or, or have at least irish have y'all read any of the lead-up material like the the stuff that's been releasing on pottermore and that kind of thing no not at all about the not. american Okay, so this is this is something that interests me about about yes. this whole situation is that apparently, and I have not read it super in depth, but from what I've read, it feels very much that um, she is drawing on like the most of the American wizards didn't really use wands as much. They are, it's more of a primal magic, oh, whereas gosh. the yeah, it's like super imperialistic. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and then like, but whereas the British wizards, you know, they use wands and it's very, it's very refined, maybe slightly less powerful, but more, you know, proper. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. I mean, I'm super imperialistic as well, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to not, not vote for that. We continue that, <laughs> that line of thinking in these movies. <laughs> I just remember reading it and uh, like getting shades of Rudyard Kipling. Just yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Up. Did she write a book? Was there was there a Fantastic Beast bo- Beast book, or yeah. did we talk about this? There was there, there was, was a. It, it was the uh, it was like a guide. It wasn't like an actual story. It was no, just like the textbook that she came, she came out that's with right. a bunch of those like versions of the textbooks that were like more that's right, that's right. promotional materials than they were yeah. like stories. Yeah. Yep. If she would just stop doing things, I think I'd be happier i appreciate her she has done a great service to this world but 
let's 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 do other things. She's done actually really great work outside of the Harry Potter universe with her. Uh, yeah. Um, Here's her, uh, her mystery novels and stuff like that. But I don't want her to contribute anymore to the. Here's another thing. The Harry Potter world. I think we need to take into consideration. We are not children anymore, and mm-hmm. this whole universe was written for children, and so I think we need to like keep that in mind when we watch like these new movies that like this is they're not made for us they're made for a different audience i think children are stupid and their ideas are stupid so i think uh i think that's the mindset i'm gonna be bringing to these movies i don't know i i think i'm a i think i'm a male white person in in my late 20s i think everything's for me oh yeah basically yeah i think that's it gosh yeah on that note, yeah, West like, is World. that a better? Place? <laughs> is that better? Is that a better way to end? That's this? great. Westworld on the podcast very briefly when Lucas said he was feeling the pilot about two weeks ago Um, Mm -hmm. but now that there are three episodes out and there's a whole lot of chatter about this show we wanted to do a deep dive into our thoughts about it so far as well as like what questions and theories we might have about this universe so how are y'all feeling about these first three episodes Uh, Lucas I want to start with you we talked about right after we saw the first episode. Have you, has your opinions changed at all now that we've, we're three in? My opinions have somewhat changed. What I talked about originally was just there, I guess the, the thing that felt weird to me and that I kind of cringed the most about with this show is its, its treatment of women and um, its view of violence. Um, I definitely felt like it wanted to be a commentary on violence and sexuality especially having it be an hbo show Mm -hmm. Uh, but in the pilot i definitely didn't feel like that was coming across as a as a negative it was more of just like hey we're hbo we get to do this um and yet still show that like hey you know violence violence can be a, a terrible thing and when used for you know media and i don't know our entertainment it can be it, it can be rough and i definitely feel like they've they haven't gone quite as deep with that as I want them to. But again, we're only three episodes in, but I want that to be more of the basis of the show as opposed to kind of a sideline um, narrative that they're kind of going with here. But overall, I really love this show. There's a lot of characters to get to know, and there's a lot of backstory that still needs to be, I guess, told somewhere within this. But uh, it is super intriguing, and they are drawing this out very slowly. Josh, what about you? How has these how have you felt about these first three episodes? So the first episode really hooked me. Um, I I watched it on a whim, uh, just because it was available for free, <laughs> and I was like, I have nothing to do for the next hour, so like yeah. And I I watched it with more rapt attention than I have I think anything in the past year or two, um, as far as TV goes. Uh, the the second 
and third episodes I wasn't as in love with, but uh, they're beginning to say some really interesting things about consciousness, which I I am fascinated by. So I'm I'm loving it. Yeah, I guess for anyone who isn't familiar with this show or hasn't heard about what the premise is, we should do a quick explanation. This show is a set um, in what seems to be an extreme adult version of a theme park that is set in the Wild West. So it's filled with cowboys and Indians and shootouts and um, and the population of this universe is filled with very lifelike androids so that rich humans can go and visit this world filled with um, androids androids dressed as cowboys and hookers and and get to have as much fun as their heart desires. So it explores what human desires look like and what um, artificial intelligence could look like in a, this kind of universe. Um, you know, Lucas, we talked about in a, a few weeks ago my how I was very intrigued with this show, but also hesitant because of a lot of the violence against women. Um, mm-hmm. And once we get into spoilers, I will elaborate on how my feelings have evolved on that. But I will just just say right now that I'm still very conflicted. Um, yeah, I'm conflicted because if this show wasn't so incredibly engaging and wasn't asking <laughs> so many interesting questions, I would not be watching it. I would like completely write it off as a show that mistreats women. And I just like, I wouldn't make time for it. And I continue to watch because I'm so fascinated by this universe. And I love the conversation that's taking place after each episode. And I want to participate in that conversation. So I feel a little bit morally um, gross right now because I'm participating in a show that I, I'm not sure that I should be, um, but I'm giving it a little bit more of a chance and seeing how their treatment of women evolves um, as the show continues. But like I said, I think that's a testament to how engaging and fascinating it is that I'm willing to kind of set that aside. Um, So, yeah. So are you all ready to talk about spoilers? Uh, Is there anything else you wanted to say before we get into that spoiler conversation? No, I want to spoil everything immediately. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Now, crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Let's talk about things that we definitely like that are happening in the show. Um... I can start off with by saying all of the scenes with Anthony Hopkins are just, I think, incredible. And of course, because he's incredible, but it's specifically the dialogue that's taking place in his scenes where he's talking about um, the history of this franchise, of this you know universe that he's created, as well as what artificial intelligence means to him and his interactions with. Um, these androids that he kind of treats like as pets in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I I really relish those moments. Yeah, I definitely think his character is extremely interesting to watch, especially his interaction with with Bernard, Jeffrey Wright's character. Um, I think that that is going to be, those are going to be two actors I'd love to continue to be in this show for all seven seasons or however long they want this to go on. Sure. Um, but I do feel like with them being as high profile as they are, they have plans to get rid of them in the future. Oh, you know, I hadn't even thought about that. Yep. Oh. Yeah, there, uh, there are a bunch of those 
in, yeah. in this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. I guess in my head, I'm just like, we're in a golden age of TV. Everyone wants to do TV now. They're going to want to do it forever. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll see. I'm also really excited you know we didn't get them in episode one but with the introduction of the characters of william and logan played by jimmy simpson and ben barnes man i love both of those characters i love jimmy simpson i've never been a fan of ben barnes and i'm super kind of annoyed that he's in this show really (laughs) he every time he walks any all of all of jimmy simpson scenes where ben barnes is not there are great but (laughs) ben barnes brings it down a lot for me i'm trying to think if i've seen ben barnes in anything before he's caspian in the chronicles of narnia um well that's kind of uh, here's my thing about Ben Barnes. <laughs> Everyone's bad in those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am really... So, I guess we should talk about how when those characters are introduced into this world, um, this is a very obvious kind of metaphor that they have with them, but when Jimmy Simpson enters the world, he gets to pick a hat, and he picks, you know, a white hat, and Ben Barnes is in a black hat, which is, I think, mm-hmm. supposed to be very telling about their characters. Um I feel like I've heard a lot of people talk about expecting Jimmy Simpson's character, William, who's in the white hat, um, to maybe grow into a darker character um, Mm -hmm. as he spends more and more time in Westworld. And I'm really, really hoping that the opposite happens to the Ben Barnes character. I hope that, like, he starts out as this douchebag character and that he has this really interesting growth and maybe kind of gets a conscience uh, and like maybe becomes a little bit more decent or a little bit more humbled as things start to go awry in the universe. Um, it, I think that'd be a much more interesting story. I feel like we've seen the other side of that way too many times right. with Mad Men and um, what is it? Breaking Bad and that kind of stuff. Right. So I think that would be a really cool way to kind of twist that. Yeah. You know, cause I think the idea is he is probably like kind of a dick in the real world. But in this world, he's an extreme dick because he believes that your actions don't mean anything and like they have no consequences and that no the people that he's hurting don't feel anything. So mm-hmm. I I wonder is as things start to change and maybe some of these androids, these hosts start to gain some consciousness and he starts to realize that they do have memories and feelings that his behavior starts to shift and maybe he, he gets like a little bit of a mind fuck. That would be fun to watch. Um, yeah, definitely. So that's my, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I think he's the most, he has the most interesting path for growth so far out of all the characters we've seen. So that actually leads into one of my favorite theories that I've read, which sure. I think is definitely not happening, but there is a theory that I'm curious if you guys have seen that William and Logan are uh, their storylines actually happening in the past. Yes, I've seen that. Uh, and I have William seen that theory. Will become the man in black. Right. Yeah. I've seen that theory, and this episode uh, destroyed it. The I know. last like thirty seconds of it. Right. When uh, when Dolores walks into their their camp and uh and collapses after she uh, just got done with her uh her murder, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but um. I think I think everything else has been happening kind of in the present, and this is the first time that that has intersected uh, with 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 Teddy and um, what's his name? Um, it's William and Logan. 
William, yeah, that's right. William and Logan, not Teddy. Yeah, yeah, with with William and Logan's storyline. Um, but before that, I was a hundred percent about that. That 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 could have been a very interesting it twist. It could have been I, amazing. I, I agree with you and everything you just said, but I do also want to plant the seed of doubt. This is a J.J. <laughs> Abrams produced property, and he does not have the best record when it comes to TV shows and time skips. That's true. And yeah. continuity staying <laughs> well, right. This show is also so hard to keep track of time because, so like Dolores's loop seems mm-hmm. to be just one day, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yet some yep. other storylines seem to last multiple days with these characters. And, you know, we, and like these guests like William and Logan are spending multiple days at a time in the universe. And so I'm tr- it's hard for me to track if Dolores is repeating one day over and over and other people are there for multiple days at a time, how does that all like function with each other? I think, and this is where I don't think the rules are, are set well for this show. Most sci-fi shows at the beginning, um, especially movies, you'll, you'll get a set of rules. You'll get a set of explanations that um, help you kind of follow what's happening or at least put bounds on what can happen in, in these stories. And this one has not done a good job of that at all. But I think what, the, what happens is, and this is me just making this up, sure. is that you're, you're in your one-day loop until someone interacts with you and changes that. And then That's you the go with the flow. That I got as well. Yeah, yeah, you improvise when you need to improvise, but otherwise you just stick to your sure. one-day loop. So so she can have her one-day loop while Teddy is out doing weeks' worth of stuff and wherever. Yeah. Um, and then when, when they're done with him, he goes back to performing his one-day loop. Mm-hmm. While we're on the topic of Dolores' one-day loop, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, after episode two, I was kind of like, had more hope for this show. <laughs> and then... Yeah. And then episode three came along, and it seems, from my interpretation of what happened in episode three, it seems that Dolores's like, purposeful narrative is that she is there to be raped by guests. Is that how the way y'all interpreted it? Because that's the way I did. Um, uh, definitely her purpose is to be raped, I think, but I think her family as a whole is there to provide either um, a a murder scene for a guest or a, I guess a savior scene for a guest, depending on whether they're white hat or black hat, they can either go and save Dolores's family mm-hmm. or go and murder Dolores's family. So she has the worst storyline out, I think out of anybody in this Jeez, part. Really? Yes. Like <laughs> absolutely. death would be much preferred. Like Teddy, where he gets killed every time. I would much prefer that than Dolores absolutely. have to like witness her family be murdered and raped every day over and over again. Yeah, which that's that's one of the reasons I disliked this episode so much was just the fact that we were kind of back to that of the we don't really see we see her standing up for herself against a rapist, but we don't see the repercussions that this has on kind of the rest of the park or the mindset of the people who make this happen all the time, mm-hmm. which I think is a little stressful for me to <laughs> I know. to watch. No. For yeah. some reason, people are okay with that. <laughs> I, I like I like that it's finally turning that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was definitely not excited that we were back to it because uh, yeah. you know you've established that it's obviously terrible for her, and that's why we're following her. But I, and at this point, I know it's terrible. Like, stop! Don't show me it being terrible over and over. Yeah, right. 
I one thing I would like to see because it's happened in every episode so far, but it's just Teddy dying. I uh, I love him. He's a fantastic character, but uh, he's died in every episode, uh, multiple times actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, or the the first episode he only died once, but every other time he's died at least twice. So let's keep that up. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> just Teddy deaths every time. I have to say that the most chilling moment for me so far in these first three episodes was seeing him and all the other bodies getting like hosed down um mm-hmm. that just that image was really yeah. did me in i what, what i do like that i think can be cool with this show is just the different pair-ups we talked about anthony hopkins and jeffrey wright um they get a lot of scenes together just having really great conversations uh and we've gotten james marston's teddy and uh Oh gosh, what's her name? Evan Rachel Woods. Oh, Dolores. Dolores. Yeah. Yeah. Talk talk to each other um, a lot in these episodes, but this is the first time we've seen Shannon Woodward and um, Luke Hemsworth, the worst the worst Hemsworth right. um, <laughs> characters, kind of interact, and I think that's cool. Just pairing these guys up um, and just wandering around the park, having these conversations. But yeah. Uh, not a fan of Luke. No. Luke is uh, not great. I, I heard one podcast call him the least of the Hemsworths. And he's <laughs> Hemsworth he's, he's definitely budget Hemsworth. Yeah. It's everyone, it's they started this show with, hey, let's get a Hemsworth. And they definitely got a Hemsworth. They really did. So. He really looks like just like it's like they ca- like they said, like, let's get someone vaguely attractive. Like, you know, he's supposed <laughs> to be attractive, but you don't you're not necessarily attracted to him. Um <laughs> also his character name is ashley stubbs um, oh i didn't know his first name was ashley yeah i knew his last name was stubbs but that that's rough yeah um whenever he's on screen i'm never particularly excited and <laughs> as of yet i'm not particularly interested in the man in black yet um i like ed harris i don't have anything against ed harris i just mm-hmm. his storyline hasn't really intrigued me i think I think it has a lot of potential, but I think you're right. Also, there isn't there isn't a lot of suspense there, um, which I think is more. I mean, there there's tons of suspense everywhere else in this show, so we need it there if we're going to continue to mm-hmm. kind of follow follow his work. We need it to interact with someone else um, other than other than him, do, kind of doing his own thing, and. I don't necessarily – there are too many characters in this show to start off with yeah. for me to be invested in in some of these people kind of doing their own thing. Uh, it doesn't really work. We haven't seen – what's his name? The, uh, the, the big bandit from the, from the first episode. Right. Um, who does the, the, the heist. Like that, that was a huge part of the first episode, and he hasn't come back at all. We've, we've completely missed out on him, So, and I'm sure he'll – be doing other things in the future, but just there's so much spread out over this park, um, and we haven't really nailed down who we care about and who who we really want to be invested in yet. I think another thing that keeps me from getting too invested in his storyline yet is because he's so invincible in this world. Um, I know we're only three episodes in, but I'm mm-hmm. already kind of ready for like the human safety measures to be turned off or at least like start to malfunction. You know, um, when he yeah. can just ride into a scene and shoot everyone 
that doesn't do what he wants and he is in no danger whatsoever, that scene isn't mm-hmm. going to be super suspenseful or interesting to me. Yeah, that's I, – and I, I don't remember if we've talked about this before, but just the stakes of this world. Like if I'm a guest going into this world to, you know, rape and pillage – what is the fun of that if there is no consequences for it? Mm-hmm. Like the like you can't get hurt. No one can stop you. So how is that fun for these people? I don't like there's no there's no like this isn't a video game. There's no, you know, start over when you die. You just can't die. You just can continuously go through this. So how do you feel about that? I don't it doesn't work for me. Huh. Yeah, that's not something that I had considered. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a pretty solid point. Yeah, that, that's weird because the a lot of the thrill of victory comes from the possibility of defeat. Like, you know, it's one thing to go and do something amazing, but if you know that you're going yeah. to succeed, like there there's no video game that I've that I've played where you can turn off uh, your own, I guess injury level or <laughs> like because it's not fun at that point right. like there's no reason to play like you said there's no there's no victory without without a chance of defeat or like, so if an arcade was rigged so that you won every game like the games mm-hmm. would not be fun they would just be right. lights and, and yeah. noises um which i guess to an extent this universe is just that it is like a lot of mm-hmm. loud noises and sex and lights and like you know just like it's very flashy with not a ton of substance yet, at least so far that we've seen from these most mm-hmm. of the guests that are making use of it. I guess that that the idea that there that you know no consequences, you know you can't die, is lightened a little bit for me by the the scene with uh, Jimmy Simpson's character where he gets shot the first time and it yes. like picks him up off his feet and it you know, like leaves a bruise. Sure. And so right. I guess the idea that at any point you're in a shootout and you know you win the shootout you kill everyone but if you get hit three times like you know you didn't really win so then there's that drive to well next time i'm gonna not get hit yeah 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 and that that was that was great this week when we actually saw kind of the consequences of getting shot that hey you get you get bruised at least is right (laughs) is better than nothing well but that 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 brings up questions for me though why does the man in black not react at all when he gets shot He's a man. He can take it. (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, there is something to be said. He's been coming for like 30 years. He might have grown accustomed. He's used to the stings. (laughs) Um, I have just like so many questions about like, I have like a list of questions about just how this universe works. And I'm telling you, they haven't explained it well, but lay it on me. I will see if I can make it up on the fly. Okay, let's do this. Oh, I like this game, (laughs) Lucas, of like, you being the spokesperson for the Nolans, Abrams, you know, trio. All right. Okay. I'm get my marketing voice on. Here we go. All right. Go for it. Here's the biggest thing. Here's, I think this is honestly like my biggest question that is just about like All the right. story. Mm-hmm. Bernard and Dolores have been having these conversations that he wants to be a secret. How long has this been going on? And how does he keep like removing her from the world without anyone noticing? I think the beauty of this show, and especially this episode in particular, gives a real look at how we have these conversations and how we think about things that are private. I think in the future, we're going to see a whole lot more um, of how this kind of takes place and the consequences behind that. And that's something we'll have to tune into 
later on. Great, great, great. Okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> but really, though, but really, though, like, there has to be consequences real, for this. Right. There's no way you can sneak an android into, what, your underground dungeon oh, yeah. and have these conversations no, without no, anybody no. knowing there about is, it? There's no way Ford doesn't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, he I, yeah. I definitely absolutely think knows that. this is happening. But it's more he, to he, me, like, how does, like, Ashley not know that this is going on? <laughs> because that... Like leads. Oh, I forgot. Ashley's the dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Leads, fake Hemsworth. Leads yes. Some more yeah, questions <laughs> about just like surveillance in general. Like it seems yeah. like video surveillance is everywhere, but they have no microphones. Like they were, you know, they asked Dolores, like, "What did your father say to you?" Like, how hard would it be to put some microphones on all these androids? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. All right, what are the questions have you got? Okay, so this is the, these are more <laughs> universe questions, okay? So, yes. like, not so yes. much story questions. Makes sense. Okay, so we know that the animals in this universe are not real. They're, they're robots, right? Correct. The horses, except for the, flies. the snakes, yep. except for the flies. Um, yep. We know that the flies are real. Yep, okay. you can't control those. Right. So my question is, like, is... Can birds fly into this world? And are they real? Is there a dome over this world to preventing outside interference from, like, airborne animals? I think animals? there has to be. There are, yeah. there are only two options. Either, yeah. yes, there is, and the flies being there is dumb. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yep. or no, there's not, and it's dumb that they don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Right. There's, there's yeah, this is a... Uh... This is a flawed park for sure because yeah. oh, the there would have to be birds. There would have to if we're they're in the middle of Arizona. This is Monuments Valley, and no bird can just like wander in and or an actual rattlesnake. Yeah, <laughs> I mean this is yeah. The other, yeah. That also leads to like how does weather work in Westworld? Like whether Ooh. there's a dome or not. Like are there rainy days? Like how do the narratives adjust according to weather if there is no dome? Um, that I is, assume it's just a, I th I think it's just a more straightforward Truman show. <laughs> so just where everyone true. knows that it's fake. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. dome, skybox, everything, sure. the whole nine yards. Yeah. That's that's what I would want. Yeah. There there's also been a lot of questions and theories about like where is Westworld? Is it on like is it on a different planet? Is it on, on Earth? How, I I do not subscribe to that. That's you think it is. That's on Earth. too far. That's too far out there. I know this is a Nolan, you know, thing, but um, it's it's got to be it's got to be here on Earth. I I know they talk about like rotating home and stuff like that, um, but I picture them in in like, you know, in a bunker inside of Westworld, just living it up there for a couple months, and then they get you know a couple months off. Yeah. If if they e ever even address this, I am going to be so disappointed. Well, I just can't imagine it mattering where they are. Lisa Joy Nolan, one of the show creators, um, yeah. she did say that by the end of season one, we should be able to figure out where they are. Mm, that's a that's a bad move on the showrunner's part. Don't don't do that. Don't give no, because like now that. you're trying to make me figure out where it is, and I don't <laughs> exactly. want to be spending my whole time watching your show trying to like discover its secrets. I want to watch a TV show. That that also should not be one of like the I'm air doing air quotes right now secrets of the show. Like we should be caring about way more things than just where is this show setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if Bernard is a robot, you guys. I don't have time <laughs> to think about whether it's in Arizona or space. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I have, I think, three more questions. Okay. Do it. How does currency work in Westworld? Because, like... Yeah, everyone has money. They're just, like, passing it around. It's like, you gotta pay this dude for this. You gotta pay this girl for that thing. What the heck? Where, did, where are they getting this? And, like, is it actually real? Yeah, so, like... The hookers are obviously working for money. Like, that's what a hooker does. So it's like, mm-hmm. do guests, when they go in, get given, like, an amount of cash to use in <laughs> Westworld? It's like when you start a video game and you start with some cash. Right. <laughs> and, like, there's yeah. bounties for, like, these men. You know, we saw... At first, there was no... I never saw any money exchanged in the first two episodes. Yeah. And so I was wondering yeah. if there was any currency. But now in this yeah. episode, we saw Teddy give um, Maeve a couple of, like, coins. Uh-huh. And we saw yep. the bounty flyers that had, like, um, prices on them. Um, I was wondering this, too, with the with the bounty flyers. I wonder if... You get to maybe, I don't know, trade in your coins at the end. It's like an arcade. You get to trade in your tickets for a prize or something. Yeah. If you make so much money throughout the, the course of your time They've there, you get... just got stuffed cowboys all along the wall. <laughs> you get to keep your hat or something when you yeah. leave. I don't know. <laughs> we also did learn in this third episode that it costs $40,000 a day to, to go to yes. Westworld. Yes. Which is ridiculous. I don't know how they have people <laughs> able to pay that. Right. I mean, you well, have people able to pay that. Future. But... How good is the economy in the future? We know that. <laughs> the economy's in great shape, apparently, if they can afford $40,000 a day. I feel like you'd have maybe, like, right now on Earth, you'd have probably, like, 50 people who'd be willing to do that. Oh, I think there's more. Uh, more? Oh, I know there's more that, that could afford it, but oh, okay. would want to do that. I feel like most of the people who could afford to do this are like, no, why would I do that? That sounds like a dumb idea. Mm. But the people who would want to do it, maybe 50. So you're working for a very, very limited portion of the population here. That's not good uh, Not good marketing, not good strategy. I don't know. Yeah. Like, they cannot, serve, they, cannot, they cannot build this park, let alone have they had no income for the first three years we found out in this episode they're just right. building stuff for fun how is this park getting funded the same well, way everything gets funded government contracts exactly <laughs> you know we they did allude in that first episode that there's more to there's more of a purpose than just being a theme park um and so like that might be like incentive mm-hmm. for like greater income in the future um and there's a deeper game yeah the maze okay we'll see Two more questions. Do it. What other worlds have there been or are currently existing? Like, we did talk, he did mention there was, like, some sort of murder mystery universe in which the father character, the father android, like, mm-hmm. knew Shakespeare, was a Shakespearean professor. Um Now, was that part of a different universe? Like, a di- like not Westworld, but, like... I don't know, murder mystery world, or was that just, or was he a character in a part of Westworld that was doing a murder mystery like game thing? That's what I. That's what I read it as. My understanding was that there were different parks within this greater complex. So, so if you wanted to do a western thing, you could do that. If you wanted to do like a medieval thing, there was probably one of those. That kind of thing. So that. So did you guys see the original movie? No, I have not seen all of it. 
Okay. That, you know, that that's how the movie itself worked was there's a medieval world and a what is it? Like Roman a Greek world. Or Roman world. Yeah, Roman world and then there was Westworld was kind of the third one. So it was different parks. But in this, I kind of read it as it's just Westworld. It's just one park and and that he was, you know, doing a murder mystery thing within that park. But I might okay. be wrong. No, we'll I find think- out. I think that's my read on it too, Lucas. I think I'm just excited mm-hmm. about the possibility that there are maybe not in the same park, but like in a like if this is taking place in the US, like maybe in London, there's a like 1920s in London world, you know? Um I mean I'd go to that one, that's for right. sure. You too <laughs> could get stabbed to death by Jack the Ripper. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I, I think this show is too expansive already. And if we start adding in other parks, we're gonna lose some viewers. Sure. Like the people will not hold on to that. No, spin offs, Lucas. These are for spin offs. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Yeah, they'll do that. That that'll that'll happen. Okay. <laughs> Final question. I think this is the most interesting thing that they introduced and they didn't spend a lot of time on. When Jimmy and, or no, when William and Logan come in to, from like the fancy train to like get introduced into Westworld and they're greeted by all these like very attractive people in white, you know, um, and the attractive woman in white that is helping the William character get dressed, he asks if she's real and she says, you know, if if you can't tell, does you can't it matter? Tell, doesn't matter. And then she kind of like sex like makes herself sexually available. Um, what did y'all think? Do y'all think she's an android or do you think she's a human? Oh no, she's definitely an okay, android. Okay, that was my interpretation as well. So yeah. if that's the case, uh. if we're assuming that she's an android, that means there are androids that are self aware that they are androids and they know uh, that Westworld exists. My goodness. You just blew my mind. I did not think of that. Yeah, that's why I, I think she has to be human. Oh, no. I think they've destroyed the entire premise of their show if she's oh, an android. no. Oh, no. So, oh, no. But, <laughs> yeah, she's but, an actual honest-to-goodness prostitute. I don't, I don't know. Uh, See, because I'm... No. I'm thinking that in this world, they, like don't condone actual prostitution and which is why Westworld is so like popular is because you get to like enjoy the benefits of prostitution without having to like make someone be a prostitute. (laughs) Maybe I'm just giving them too much credit, but I I think you have a very utopian view of this society. (laughs) Yeah, definitely to murder as much as you want. I, so, so here, here's the deal. The actress who plays that, that girl, I don't remember her name, but she was Elon Musk's Oh, yes, I heard about this. Wife. Yes, she was Elon Musk's. She's Elon Musk's ex-wife. And he tweeted a couple weeks ago that she plays a sex bot on this show. So she is a robot. According to Elon Musk. According to Elon Musk. Who, who would know if someone was a robot, <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> it's true. But according to him, she's a robot. So that would mean that... She is aware. Not only at least, that she is a robot, uh, but that there is a whole world of androids being treated this way. Okay, actually, 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 let me back this up. Let me back this up. She doesn't have to know any of that. All she has to know is that her job is to meet people at the train, take them inside, uh, show them a good time, get them dressed, and put them on another train. That's all she has to know. I think I think it's implied that's her, that's that she her knows job, more that's than her role. that. 
Oh, I. I think it's very much implied Uh, that she knows. You're right. Because she's, because he's like, you know, she, I feel like she's there to answer questions. She talks about, she talks about, she asks him like all those personal questions at first. And he's like, she's like, so we know to prepare you for like. That's true. You're right. I think it's implied that she knows what happens in that world. Yeah. And she didn't bring pen and paper to write down any of the, like the questions that he had. She's storing all these questions. She's definitely a robot. She has to be a robot. Yeah. She's absolutely a robot. Which is totally weird. Isn't that crazy? All right, what if, what? Let's let me try to fix it. What <laughs> okay, if, fix what it. If fix it. What if she's a robot, right? But she's not. They don't use the advanced robots in this part of the park. Because why would they? Because then you would just stay with these the whole time because they're the good ones. They want you to go all the way into the park, so they use the not so. These good are ones. these so are she, intro robots. Yeah, she has. You know, she has a certain level of. You know, improvisational conversation skills. Mm-hmm. She has pre-programmed responses to the question, are you real? Because that probably comes up a lot. That's true. Yeah, she probably has the answers, but not the actual knowledge. So if someone asks her, it's like Siri or, you know, the, the Amazon Echo. Like, if someone asks you this type of question, you give this type of answer. So yeah. she has those stored, but not necessarily the knowledge of the meaning behind the answers that she's giving. Yeah, that yeah. that makes that's it not thinking. as creepy and weird. I like, but the it's creepy, still weird extremely creepy better, and weird. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do see how like that could be the case. Mm-hmm. I just feel like mm-hmm. if she's if she has all of that knowledge and like is totally aware of what's happening, then the whole storyline where they're like they're becoming self aware. Uh, yeah, no shit. There's a bunch of them upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's true. It's true. They would be the ones leading the rebellion that's about to happen, not the ones who are just finding out. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Um, well, that way to way to blow the lid off of that, man. Okay. So, what are some of y'all's favorite theories that you have about this universe, or that you've heard? I mean, my favorite theory is that, and it, it just came up after last night's episode. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but everyone's been saying Bernard's probably a robot. Right. That's that's a that's a well known theory. Yeah. But after after what we found out about Arnold, um, uh, Doctor Robert Ford's um, partner, you know, partner, yeah. and especially with his name being Robert Ford, um, that he killed his partner, um, and basically replaced him with an android bernard who you know has a lot of the same mentality that uh ford talks about bernard or uh i'm getting all the names arnold names are gone the yeah that that uh dr ford talks about arnold having um a lot of those things also resemble bernard and his uh kind of wanting to create consciousness and imitate (laughs) um and have the androids imitate imitate humans so yeah i that's mine I have a similar one to that, Lucas, is that not that Dr. Ford built Bernard, but that Arnold built Bernard and implanted his own consciousness into Bernard. I could see that. I could see that. But would you still say that Ford killed Arnold? No, I think Arnold knew he was going to die. and or Maybe he did. I think Arnold either killed himself or knew he was going to die and created his, like, made a way for him to kind of be immortal by building his own like if we get uh, 
Yeah, I I can I can totally see that that happen. And like, but if we get through this show without the name Robert Ford being important, I'm gonna be extremely pissed. I I will be <laughs> shocked if Ford didn't kill Bernard or Arnold. Okay, I agree. Yeah, because yeah. and specifically because uh, almost all all of uh, Bernard and Ford's scenes together are them fighting. All of them. Yes, mm-hmm. and yes. Ford wins all of them. Yep. Um, yep. And beyond that, he the uh, the first I think it's the first episode where he says you can't play God without being acquainted with the devil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then coming back again to like the whole the man in black thing and how much these like this kind of suspense mystery figure out as you go along like this and lost and other things like it in the J.J. Abrams, Chris Nolan sphere of influence really like dichotomies between mm-hmm. white and black and all that. Mm-hmm. If, if Ford is not the devil and, and Bernard slash Arnold is not God, then I, I don't know what we're doing. Agreed. Okay. So the popular theory is that Bernard is an Android. Um, is there if aside from Bernard, anyone that we're willing to bet is actually an android when we think they're a human? I don't know that there's anyone in the cast that I'd be willing to put money on being an android. I certainly won't be surprised if Ford is some sort of cyborg. Oh, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I could see that. I don't okay. think he's an android, but I, I, I it wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me if he was at least piecemeal. Yeah, I think there's I don't I don't think we've gotten again because there's so many characters in the show. I don't think we've gotten a good hard look at most of these characters enough to formulate good opinions on what they could be. Yeah. Other than other than Bernard, I feel like we've spent the most time with him. Um, I'm trying to think of other. Are there any other theories that y'all are particularly excited about? I'm trying to rack my brain if there was any others that stood out to me. My my favorite, and I, this is the reason that I want to go back and watch the movie. There's a theory mm-hmm. running around that the critical failure from 30 years ago is the Westworld movie. Yeah, so I've I've heard that. I think that would be a cool way to do it. I don't know why they picked 30 years ago because it would be cool if like the movie was made what 40, 40 years ago 40 years ago yeah basically. and so it'd be really weird for them to say 30 years when it's actually you know for if they'd said the same amount as the movie 40 years that would have made more sense um unless they're just trying to throw us off but it seems like simple enough that it really wouldn't matter if they just made it an actual thing but i really do like that kind of calling back to that um thing have other tv shows have done that right i'm I can't none pop into my mind, but like, uh, oh, Battlestar Galactica does it. Yeah. With the original happening um, as a kind of a prequel to to what happens in the in the show or in the new, in the new show. But uh, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great way to handle it. I think it'd be a lot of fun to have have that tie in. Um, something that Emily Nussbaum tweeted that I thought was asked some really interesting questions about this universe was. She said, and this goes back to, like, the way women are treated in this world. Mm -hmm. She said, to me, the weirdest element of Westworld is this. Why would guys program a brothel full of bitter cyborg hookers who complain at the bar? Um, (laughs) And that, like, started a bunch of really interesting conversation in the replies to that tweet about, like, what what is appealing about, like, hookers in this universe versus just women that are excited to, like, have sex with, um, like, the guests that arrive. And uh, some people said that, you know, 
uh, Westworld is an experience uh, like based on a power fantasy and hookers are to be like conquested and not just loved. And that like part of the fantasy of a hooker is like that illusion of control and power and like making someone bend to your will versus just yeah. like engaging in something with you, which I just thought even just that small detail, like that the hookers like, it's not just women who want to have sex with you. It's, like, women who are, like, kind of begrudgingly having sex with all these customers adds so much to the universe of, like, what the customers are like and what and how this universe was designed for them. Well, now I'm extremely disappointed in humanity and the way the world works. So. Just now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that is interesting. But, uh, yeah. It's also interesting to me that so far we've only seen hookers... Uh, we've only seen female hookers pleasing men and women. Um, we've seen like glimpses of male hookers, but not no women like approaching male hookers. Like, um, I think that's just interesting that's that true. that hasn't shown up. It's been alluded to, but not shown on the yeah. screen yet. We're only three episodes in. Very true. <laughs> we got seven more episodes. And this is HBO. We'll get there. <laughs> you know, speaking of the fact that we're only three episodes in. Um, an actress that I really love apparently is going to be in this season and she hasn't shown up yet. Um, She's in nine episodes yes, of it, apparently. Tessa Thompson. Um, yeah. Yeah, has nine whole episodes in this season and we haven't even been introduced to her. So um, I'm really excited to see what else like this show has in store for us. I really hope that's just like an IMDb glitch and she's not even in the show at all. <laughs> I don't actually. I want her to be in the show. I really yeah. like her. <laughs> um, before we head out, I did also want to mention that I was blown away by CGI young, young Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, that was that really was, well done. It was an expensive shot. That was like... <laughs> yeah. That was that was a Captain America Civil War type money going right. on there when they aged up Robert da or aged down Robert Downey Jr. I was not expecting to see that in a TV production. Yeah, I want to know how yeah. many times like they're gonna be able to make use of that. Like, how many flashbacks I, are we gonna get? The fact that they did it once make me think that they're planning on doing this often. That's not like a one-off shot that you would uh pay that spend that much money on if you're not planning on revisiting it yeah we have to at least use it again when we find out who arnold actually is right yeah yeah so at least one more i would say big scene sure so i have to see him talk <laughs> yeah oh lucas i found one more question uh, yeah. on my list okay yes do the hosts have a sexual orientation no you don't no. think so? not at all no. Do you think they're pro programmed with one? I th I think geez, they're probably you're, all you're asking the hard questions here. I think they're probably all programmed pretty fluidly. Pretty pretty in the pretty median. Um, I, I imagine they are programmed to act like they have a certain sexual orientation until someone wants them to have a different one. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's right, because honestly, everyone here is he everyone at the park is there to serve the guests and basically do the bet the guests' bidding. So it wouldn't seem like a faithful recreation of the Wild West if everyone there was openly bisexual. So I don't think right. they can do that. But they also can't just be like, "Oh no, sorry, women can't sleep with these women." Yeah, because <laughs> that's like that's not what your customer base wants. Right? No. Yeah. That's an yeah. interesting question. 
what a weird customer base we're dealing with <laughs> oh, here. We're really I've dealing just... with a... <laughs> what it's also crazy to me is whenever I see children that like are not Android yeah. in this world. Let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> Who brings your child to a park like this? Here's the there's not like a kid friendly zone. I know they talked about like the further out you go, the more diabolical it gets. Right. But you get off the train and you're already in a diabolical situation that I would not want my kid to be at. Like who People brings get their, murdered like, in the street? Yeah, in the street. We have in like what's supposed to be the safest part of the park. Seriously, we haven't seen a child guest witness anything horrible yet. Like, well, no, because no one would watch the show. But if, they if they've been open happen. 30 years, you know it's happened. Right. And we've seen kids at the park with their parents, and they had to have gotten off the train that everyone else got off of and walked past the brothel and wa- yeah. probably watched someone get shot at some point. Okay, this totally reminded me of another theory that I think is really, really good. Um, so the kid that Ford meets out in the, yep. in the West... A theory yep. that I think is really great is that that kid is Ford as a child. Mm-hmm. Like oh, an, yep. an Android version yep. of Ford as a child. Definitely. It, it He's, definitely is. Okay. Uh, with as narcissistic as this guy has to be to create this park, he definitely made a version of himself. I guess one thing I think is interesting about that theory is not just like that that exists, but like why would Ford do that? Um, and I like the idea of it being this like, form of therapy like ford understands that he's kind of like a messed up human being and so he creates Mm -hmm. a childlike form of himself to like do self-therapy with yeah i think it works and it also implies that uh people will make versions of themselves which ties into bernard's storyline or and into like proposed storyline the illusion (laughs) in the first episode that this park is meant for more than just being a theme park that like yeah. People are interested in this technology to, you know, further their own lives or all yep. that kind of stuff. Do, do we have time to talk about one more theory? Because I just remembered it. Yeah. And I'm in love with it. Okay. So Ford talks about how he has this big storyline that he's been working on for years, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's the in the third episode. Mm-hmm. So there's this theory that that's and that's why he sh- shoots down uh, Lee's storyline, not because it's dumb, but because it takes place too close to the Red River, which is where the entrance to the maze is, mm-hmm. and that the whole theory is that this the storyline that he's been working on is the Man in Black. That I have not heard this. So theory. like, Ooh. is he is that the Man in Black is not human? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that that the Man in Black is a, a host replication of. A part, uh, a former guest that is known to everyone, and uh, he has been programmed to to not, you know, be affected by the bullets and all that stuff. And him creating this sentience is Ford's plan, mm. and that's the last storyline is him like just desecrating the park by releasing all these androids and hosts and stuff. Yeah, I I think I really think that the Man in Black is human. Um. But I like the idea of maybe, like, Ford's storyline being in response to the man in black. Like, he knows what's happening, and so he's making a storyline to, like, address and, like, create conflict with what the man in black has been up to in the park. That's just, like, my, I guess, wish and interpretation. Um, 
but yeah, I like that. I, I'm excited to see, like you said, Lucas, that we have so many characters and storylines going on for them to start like mixing in with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see Bernard talk to fake Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've... I actually don't want to see fake Hemsworth again. Let's just not do that again. I... But I want to see Bernard talk to other people. I want to see <laughs> Sandy Newton deal with more characters. Like, I want to see her and Dolores team up together. I want to see, um, yeah, I want to see all these, like, all these people all in one scene. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much potential to the show. I, f- I feel like all of this is stuff that we can get in the future. Um, and looking many seasons down the down the road, this is a show that anyone can guest star in. You can bring anyone to the park. Oh, totally. So it can be this could be awesome in the future. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's safe to say we're all incredibly excited for what's next. Um, Absolutely. Definitely. Any final thoughts before we close out? Do, uh, yeah, I have, I have a question. Do you guys do you guys want to see this continue past this storyline that we're seeing right now? How long do you want to watch Define, this show? I, I would be okay with watching seven seasons of this show if this is the storyline, that we're watching this kind of these plans um, intertangle and get stopped and, you know, redirected again and again if we find out what the end of the maze is at the end of this season and then there's a new mystery or like stuff like that i i have no idea i don't know if that's something that they can maintain though for seven seasons so i think the, we'll see. the biggest thing for me is how long is it going to take so we're at the beginning of this season these android characters are starting to like retain memories you know and I guess mm-hmm. the big question for me is how long before the androids realize everything that's going on and kind of take back some control. If that happens by the end of season one, I don't know where you go from there for like further seasons. Um, like, mm-hmm. do we have an android human war? Do we have like, you know, like how does that, but if that question, if that isn't fully realized by the end of season one, then I see pots like possibilities for this to last longer or me to be interested longer. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. Okay. Definitely. We shall see. All right. Well, let's go around and say where people can find us online. Um, Lucas, why don't you start us off? I'm Lucas, Wright. You can find me, uh, mostly on Twitter at Lucas and stuff. I don't tweet my theories because I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I tweet about TV and movies for the most part. Follow me there. Josh, go ahead. I'm Josh, and you can find me, again, mostly on Twitter, uh, but also occasionally on Instagram, at TheBadgeJosh. Um, and you can also find my podcast, The Badge Podcast, wherever podcasts are sold. <laughs> and I highly recommend it. I'm a regular listener and one-time guest, and you've you've and heard an about occasional this. Guest. Yes, and you've heard about it here on our podcast before. So, um, if you haven't checked it out yet, you should definitely go check it out now. Yeah, we talk about geeky shit, and also Girl Meets World, <laughs> and also Girl Meets World, <laughs> my favorite segment. Um, I'm Sandra Omsteds, and my username on all platforms is at Sandra Omsteds. My last name is spelled A M S T U T Z. Definitely go follow me on Instagram and Snapchat. Um, and you can follow our podcast Twitter account at Feeling It Pod. We also have a Facebook page with the same username. 
definitely tweet at us if you um, check out one of the things that we're feeling or if you have any thoughts or ideas about Westworld that we didn't cover and you really wanted to share with us. And if you got to the end of this episode and you still have not watched Westworld, <laughs> go watch Westworld. Shame on you. Sorry we spoiled it all. <laughs> I'm not sorry. You knew we were gonna. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Adios. See ya. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.